Finally finished, eh? Right. Sorry, have a good day. No, and you. Morning. Morning. I've got something for you. A gift. Please, uh, sit with me.
thank you so much for that uh, lovely warm welcome. As you saw just in that introduction video, we are focusing today on the power of story. As we reach this fourth part in our Talking Jesus series, picking up from where we left off last week, thinking about how our lives impact those around us. Next week, we're going to look at how to tell the, the whole story, the gospel story of Jesus Christ himself. But today, we're focusing in on my story, our individual story. Did you see some of the phrases that came through there? It was wonderful, wasn't it, in that short video? This is my story. This is my story. You, each of one of these. It's the greatest story I can tell. Wow. People need good news. That, just like that man metaphorically sitting there waiting for news to come. Nothing. Time and time again, nothing came to him until the good news story of that dear lady in the picture came, was handed to him as a gift. Dear friends, those of us who follow Jesus, we have a story which is a gift to those around us. And my challenge in this uh, short time that I've got here is uh, not to convince us, because I know deep down we have that, but to pray that we will be released to tell our story with more enthusiasm and boldness than ever before. Because I really do believe that if we will tell our Jesus story, people will be impacted, lives will be changed, lives will be turned around, uh, lives will be renewed, and we will feel the better for it. Each of us who follows Jesus have a unique, special, um, precious story of how He's worked in our lives that we are empowered to share with others around us. For those of you who uh, are here and, or in Cafe Church there who are, are not yet Christians, and you might be thinking, well, it's a bit strange to come along to a church and hear about telling a story that I don't have. I just want you to listen in, would you, just for uh, this uh, 30 minutes or so, just listen in to hear my and those around you, Christians around you, our motivation for wa wanting to tell you this story. Actually, it's such a good news story in our lives that uh, it's hard to contain it. Now, you imagine if you have good news in your family, it might be a, a wedding or an engagement or a child being born. It might be a promotion at work. It might be, uh, what could it be? Uh, it might be that your favorite national football team didn't get hammered. You know, there's not a lot of love for football in this room, is there? Yeah. Uh, I'm a Scot, and lots of people have written to me and asked me and emailed me and phoned me and talked to me. So are you rooting for England? Absolutely. Of course I am. I actually want a British team to win the World Cup. So on Tuesday, uh, I don't know what I'm doing on Tuesday. I haven't even looked at my diary, but uh, I'll be rooting for England. Now, if England win the World Cup, that'll be brilliant news, won't it? We'll be able to tell that story. But the reason I'm mentioning that is because you can imagine that kind of energy, can't you? When you've got good news and you want to tell it, that, dear friends, is why we Christians are so animated about what God has done in our lives and why we want to tell you our story. It's not to be judgmental or to be pressuring. It's just it's such a great, great story. We can't help but share it. Now, of course, Christians who are sat in front of me, we, we are on a spectrum of people, aren't we? There are those of us who have no hesitation in sharing our Jesus story. And, uh, you, you know, hopefully today you'll, you'll receive a kind of a boost from God's presence to, uh, in that storytelling. But others here are probably, well, how could you say, um, let's put it, terrified at the prospect of being able to talk about Jesus with our colleagues, our neighbors, or our work people. Well, I want to pray right now, even as I say this out, that as we look at a few scripture passages this morning, that we will be released 
to tell our story. And any kind of, like, as it were, shackles that are on our lips or in our heart that are holding us back from telling our Jesus story will be released. And we will be able to take that gift that God has given us in all that's happened in our life and share it with those around us. Uh, The Apostle Peter writes and encourages us Christians to be bold in our telling of our story. He he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, you Christians, you are God's instruments to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others, here we go, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Wow, that's what God has done in us. And He's given us that gift. Yeah, come on, let's get behind that. God has gifted us with salvation. God has gifted us with freedom. And it's our responsibility and our challenge, biblically, to be able to tell others. So what I want to do in in the next few minutes is to encourage each of us to be recognizing that our story has power. Going to go through some practicalities of how we can tell our story in an engaging way. And then at the end, we're going to pray that God the Holy Spirit would come and help us. Those of you who are not believers, just hang on in there. We want to, at the end of this service, there'll be an opportunity for you to have your story rewritten to include the person of Jesus Christ and all that he's done. You've heard it as we've been worshiping, heard of some of the things that he's done, and we'll have opportunity to respond in a moment or two. So let's dive straight in then first. And my first point is, for all of us, is to recognize the power of your story. Now, people love stories. Scientists and psychologists confirm that a story does something very, very special in someone's life. Uh, It seems to be built into who we are right from the early cavemen. You know, in caves, I've got all drawings, and people look and see what is the story that's behind there, right up to the present age when you read Uh, people's blogs online and you hear this story of what's going on in their lives. We love stories. Scientifically, uh, they they tap into a part of our, a specific part of our brain. So for example, scientists tell us the left-hand side of our brain is wired for logic and uh, kind of uh, working things out like facts kind of thing. But the right-hand side of our brain is, uh, is wired for emotions. It's what connects to our emotional life. And guess where story lands? Story is on the right-hand side of our brains when we're processing them. So our stories are connecting right into the very emotions. Now, I know there's one or two of my colleagues who, um, who get deeply emotional, actually, about spreadsheets and facts and logic and stuff like that, but they are an exception to this rule, okay? Most of us function and get our emotive connection from the right-hand side of our brain, exactly where stories land in us. Now, I'd love to tell a story. Those of you who know me, uh, you, you won't be in my company five minutes, but we start telling stories. I, I love stories. I love hearing stories and comparing stories and all that kind of stuff especially when it engages in what Jesus has been doing in my life or in the life of the person who's sharing their story. In fact, um, when I became a Christian at 17, I was kind of uh, nurtured and taught in a church that really believed in telling your story. (laughs) I didn't say this in first service, but I'll just tell you a very, very quick snippet from uh, my early days. I became a Christian when I was 17. I didn't have much of a clue what was going on. Week two of my discipleship training was to go into the town center of the city where I lived with some people shoved up to the front of the open air meeting that was there. And I'm not saying we should be doing this because it was terrifying. And uh, go on, go on, David, tell your testimony, tell your story. And I was like, oh, no, I'd had some preparation, but this, it's just in me to be able to tell the stories of what God is being doing in me, whether it be in that kind of setting or whether it, 
practically, I think it's much more effective in the workplace, in the neighborhood with friends and so on. But when I hear stories of how God is working in people's lives, I, I celebrate, and I want some amens through this here. When I hear that God has spoken into someone's life, it proves to me that there's a living God. What about you? Come on, let's get behind this. When I hear how prayers have been answered, I love it. It, it. it convinces me that God is a caring God. When I hear that people have been healed, I think mean, some incredible situations and uh, illnesses and so on, I, I hear and I see that God is compassionate and healing and powerful in a way beyond human hands. When I hear that God has given people specific guidance of decisions that they have to take in their life, really difficult things to work out, they pray and they get their friends to pray in a life group or whatever or on a leadership huddle and God comes and answers, then I know that God is a God of guidance and love and grace. I love stories of people finding new purpose and freedom. How about you? In your life group, when you're just chatting and sharing stories, what an encouragement it is, isn't it, to hear how God is working. Now, these stories, amazing stories of turnaround, you know, I mean, I get to see more than most uh, because, like, for example, on the beta course that we had recently, after the beta course, people are encouraged to write down their testimony and they came across my desk. What a joy to be able to read how God had broken through in some areas in their life that had been stuck for years but their story is now regenerated. To read about stories of people who never thought that they would have freedom, never thought that they would have purpose in their life, but Jesus came and helped them. Now, friends, your story, my story of how Jesus has come and worked in our lives is a very, very powerful gift to be able to give to someone. I think the challenge is that we have to realize that we just get used to it. We kind of get acclimatized to how good God is. But those stories have incredible impact in the world in which we live. The power of our testimony, the power of our witness statement, the power of our story is, is more than just practical. It's a spiritual thing. In fact, in Revelation, it says we, we can be victorious because of the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, and the power of our testimony. When we speak out what God has been doing in our life, things break in other people's lives. Things break in our lives. You believe it, don't you? Let's be motivated deep down to be motivated, to get over our shyness. I mean, I'm number one introvert in Kingsgate, okay? I can't think that there's anybody here that's more introverted than me by nature. But that's nothing to do with what God has put in me. God has given us a gift to be able to share. And it, you know, we needn't be held back if we've got the courage and strength. Your story has incredible power to influence people around you. You can tell other people about your experience with Jesus. That's the most powerful story you can have. It brings him glory and it helps our friends. Jesus knows the powers uh, of the story. The, Jesus knows the power of testimony. There's a lots of examples in the Gospels, uh, but one which I particularly found helpful was in Mark's Gospel in chapter 5. Jesus heals a man, and then he dispatches him back to his immediate neighborhood and his family and friends with some instructions, and here is the instructions. Jesus said to the man, Go home to your own people. Can you see where the destination is? People that he knows. Tell them your story, what the master did, how he had mercy on you. The man went back and began to preach in the 10 towns area, that's where he lived, about what Jesus had done for him. He was the talk of the town. Now, of course, these kinds of stories are incredible and influential for the gospel. 
But the reality is that, as I've talked to other believers, one of the things that holds us back in telling our story is that we don't think we have a big enough or powerful enough story. I mean, we weren't saved from drug addiction, most of us. Most of us weren't in prison and discovered Jesus and got physically released. And those stories are absolutely amazing. But the best story that you have is your story. Because you know as well as I do that if Jesus can work in me, he can work in my neighbor. If Jesus can bless me, he can bless my neighbor. If Jesus can look after my finances and keep me secure, he can do that for my neighbor. If Jesus can give me peace, purpose, and direction in my life, I know that he can do that for my neighbor because I'm just an ordinary guy. I haven't got a massive big story to tell, but I've got a massive big story to tell in the sense that my best story that I can ever tell is my story. And that goes for you too. Now, I want to get very practical in this. So we're motivated. We've got it here, that sense that we're, we, you know, we know that our story is a gift. So how could we prepare well to tell our story? How can we prepare to tell our story? Well, I don't think it's too difficult. <laughs> this might seem too easy, but it's too easy to forget. So let me just run over a few things. A starting point is this. Think of two or three times in your life, in your experience, when, when you know that Jesus was close to you. Take a, take a moment this afternoon or tomorrow morning in your devotions just to ask yourself that question and just write it down. I remember back on that, that occasion when I prayed for this and Jesus responded. Think of the diff, two or three different things. Just, just think of those. What did Jesus do in that situation? And what does it make you think of him? That's the kind of two kind of questions. So I, I prayed for financial provision. I, I needed help in that moment. Financial provision came. And what does that make me think of Jesus? It makes me think, makes me know that he cares for me and he'll provide for his children. Those kind of things. I don't know, I don't know what your story is, but find two or three. You might have dozens, but find, just pick two or three of them and then start to work those stories out and prepare to tell other people about them. In First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15, uh, the Apostle Peter gives us some pointers of how we can tell a story and when we should tell a story. Let me just read it to you. He says this to all of us, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way you are and always with the utmost courtesy. So when should we tell? Actually, always be ready when anyone asks. Take the opportunities that arise Pray for opportunities to arise so that when someone asks you about what's going on in your life, asks you what you were doing last weekend, you're ready, you're fired up and ready to speak of what Jesus has been doing in your life. So for me, as I go about my daily life, I'm, I'm not necessarily coiled up with the whole of the gospel message and the whole of my life story. And when some poor soul says, you know, oh, well, tell me about how you became a Christian and, and I give them a 90-minute talk. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we, we are ready just to testify simply and straightforward whenever the opportunity arises. When people ask us, when, when we've been praying and we get new receptivity from people, we're going to pray for this in a moment or two, we are ready to speak of Jesus. Now, my experience is 
that it's in the everyday simple things that opportunities arise. So for example, a couple of months ago, uh, I was at the hairdresser, and you know, uh, I don't know if there's any hairdressers listening to this, but hairdressers, I imagine, have 12 months training, nine months training on how to cut hair, and three months training on how to ask awkward questions, right? Because when you sit there, it only takes 30 seconds before you start getting questions asked of you, don't you? And being an introvert, I actually just want you to think, look, just cut my hair, please. Just, we could do this much quicker and more cheaply if you just cut my hair. But they always want to know what's going on. Oh, what happened last week and all that. Which is cool. So as a loving, caring person with a story, um, I take the opportunity uh, because they can't get away from you either. Okay, so when they're sat there and you're all tied up in that thing around your neck and they've got the scissors, you have to watch your ears, but um, they've got the scissors and they ask you a question. So for example, a couple of months ago, as I was saying, I went to the hairdressers uh, uh, in a little village and uh, the, the ladies, a lovely lady actually, started asking me questions. Oh, what are you doing this coming weekend? And I said, well, actually, I'm speaking at a conference. That sounds high mighty. She said, oh, interesting. Where's the conference? I said, oh, it's at Kingsgate Community Church in Peterborough. Do you know it? She said, oh, yeah, I know where that is, down by Tesco Distribution Centre. I've been there once for something or other, not church, but some kind of event or other. She said, oh, I didn't know that they held conferences there. I said, oh, yeah. Every Sunday we have two conferences back to back. (laughs) We have a 9.15 and an 11.30 conference. When a whole group of people, up to a thousand in each of the services, uh, conferences, come and, uh, w- w- and I get opportunity to address them. She says, oh, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even know that was going on. Da, da, da. What are you going to talk about? I mean, obviously, she's cutting my hair, so it's taking ages. Okay. Uh, what are you going to talk about? I'm shortening the, 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 the whole story here. Uh, I said, oh, I'm actually going to talk about forgiveness and how that without the power of God, you can't actually find it easy to forgive people. She said, wow. She said, a few minutes silence, cut, 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 cut. She said, I, 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 there's people in my life that I know I could never forgive. That's what she said to me. And I said, well, it's funny you should say that because that's exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that there are people in my life that without God's help, I couldn't possibly forgive. And we just had a little kind of conversation uh, and it, it didn't last long. But you see what I mean? It's just an everyday opportunity. You have to be prepared for that. You have to be prepared to be boldly and courteously telling the story of Jesus in your life. Now, of course, that's my story. Don't go home and tell your hairdresser that as if it's yours. You get your own story and get your own story. Work it out. Now, now, of course, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that it's easy. So in the office or the workplace, for example, or in the university, it's not always possible uh, to be talking about Jesus when you're supposed to be working or planning or taking someone's tooth out or whatever it is you do for a job. But uh, your, your workplace or school culture, or university culture may be very hostile to the idea that you would be proactively talking about Jesus. But nothing stops you talking about Jesus when people ask. When people ask you, you can be prepared just to give your own story. So let me give you a few quick tips on how to make that moment compelling rather than they wish they'd never asked you. Okay, now I've got five little things. You've got your notes there. Um, let's just land this. So here's, here's what courtesy looks like. Peter said we should tell with utmost courtesy. I think this is what courtesy looks like. Number one, be clear about your story. Think through, I just already gave you this clue, two or three times in your life when you knew that God was really close to you. It could have been highlights in your life. There might have been lowlights. There might have been really difficult times. I don't know. But whatever is uh, true for you, just have them prepared. 
be, be clear about what you're talking about and the event that's there. What did God do, and what did it make you think about Him afterwards? And that, 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 that's the clarity that you need to give Him. So, that's number one. Number two, be short. Okay. If someone asks you to give account for the hope that's in you, please don't think that they're giving you 90 minutes, okay? They are giving you, I think, probably three or four minutes of their time to be, for you to be able to say something. So don't unleash them on them your 90-minute talk. You have your 90-minute talk for some other time, but have your three-minute talk. Here's how I think. If you imagine that that person that you're talking to is holding a toddler, Okay, now you, an invisible toddler maybe even. If you've got a toddler, I can tell you that you can't get a conversation, parents will tell you, you can't get a conversation more than three minutes before the toddler wants to do something or be somewhere or that. So just think like that. Just think, I need to be sharp. I need to be short. I need to be the point. If they ask you another question, you get another three or four minutes, you can unfold it as it goes. But you, you get what I'm saying there, don't you? It's, it's clear. It's short. Number three, it's about be listening to. This is not a monologue, okay? Uh, sometimes when, uh, you would think that when non-believers or people not yet Christians ask you to tell your story, if you're not careful, they will wish they never asked you, okay? Because you just like one way download all this traffic on them. But actually, that, that's not courteous. What's courteous is a conversation, to be in dialogue and to be listening to them as well as talking to, listen to people's questions and as best you can answer them. Uh, I like to have a few questions up my sleeve just because it doesn't come completely naturally to me to talk to people I've never met in my life before. So my favorite kind of question, particularly like if I meet up with, Heather and I meet up with another couple, um, it doesn't take long before, because I love stories, uh, to ask them, well, how did you guys meet up? How, you know, how did you get together? And usually people are pretty easy at telling that. Uh, and usually, if they're courteous people in return, they will ask, well, how did you and Heather meet? And then we have an opportunity to say so. Now, I'm going to have a vote here. Who would like me to tell you how me and Heather met? Okay, good. Oh, there's more than, well, there's more than five people. I'm released for the next 10 minutes. Okay, uh, very quickly. This is how Heather and I met. It's so funny. Uh, we met at um, Bible college. So uh, in doctrine class, this doctrine was usually interesting, but on this particular day, it was numbing. Okay, I have to say, I was bored out of my brain. Okay, and I was, you know when you get really bored, I don't know about you, but I was kind of like half listening. Uh, I confess, I've told the teacher this as well. It wasn't him. It was just hot and like boring, really, really boring. And I was like miles away. And do you know how you like, when you're miles away, you're usually kind of looking out the window. But if you look out the window, you get spotted by the teacher. So I was looking into the center of the class. And what I didn't realize until I kind of had that wake up moment is that for five minutes or more, I'd been staring at Heather. Okay, she was on the other side of the room. Now, she is beautiful. She was beautiful then, and she is now. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I went scarlet, and she was like, what is going on? It was a wee bit scary. So anyway, I met up with her afterwards. We had coffee, and I just had to explain, look, I'm really sorry. I hope that didn't freak you out, the fact, you know, I was just staring at you the whole thing. Uh, and love's first dream happened then. Okay. So all I can recommend is getting a doctrine class. Okay. <laughs> Never mind these online dating services. All you need is doctrine classes and we'll pull you together. So anyway, the point of this is as you're listening to people, you'll get opportunity to tell uh, what's going on. Number four, be authentic in your story. Tell your story, not your imaginary one. 
And that's why I'm saying this, is because we live in a culture where, um, ironically, people want authenticity, but the highest rating programs on TV and so on in the media are so-called reality shows. But those reality shows, I'm really sorry to break the news to you, there's, there's nothing real about them. Okay, they, they are obviously edited and so on. So we have a, people have a craving for authenticity, but are looking to where it isn't. So for example, I kind of Googled and looked this up. Um, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, there's actually nothing real about them, okay? It, you know, there's no reality there at all. What would be real would be a program called The Cat Ladies of Deeping St. James. Yeah. <laughs> But that wouldn't sell, although, searching by your laughter, I think I'm onto something there. <laughs> so the danger out of that is that we can be so sucked in by the culture around us that unless we think we've got like a super duper way up there, incredible, amazing, wonderful story, it won't be authentic. But I believe that what people want to hear is the truth. They want to hear the authentic part that's going on in our life. So please avoid all exaggeration. Uh, and just be authentically who you are. Tell stories that are true. And finally, number five here, be prepared to be vulnerable. So you don't need everything to have been worked out in your life. Uh, some stuff comes in our lives, whether we're Christians or not, and uh, it's really hard to deal with. You know, we have bereavements, we have different circumstances and so on. So be vulnerable. Be, be prepared to say, God came close to me. The, the time I felt God closest to me was actually a very difficult time in my life because, again, people will respect that and hear the authenticity of it all. There's a great example of this kind of storytelling, which you can, we're going to watch in a short video just in a second or two, but it's a story from John's Gospel, chapter 9. It's a story of a man who was blind from birth that Jesus heals. And as we just watch the story, listen out for the way that he responds when he's asked to tell about his story. It's a, it's a wonderful story. Let's just watch it now. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. 
Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Wow, what a great story, eh? Now, did you hear the kind of pattern that was in there? They, they were asked, his friends and neighbors and so on, you know, what's going on? He just tells them simply what's been happening. Happens twice in the story. Uh, he doesn't engage with all the theological arguments and all the rest of it that could be surrounding all that. They, some people were pressing in with those things. And you heard that final phrase that came at the end. It says, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, that's the kind of theological question. Uh, I don't know. But one thing I do know, what I'm really absolutely sure of is that I was blind and now I can see. You see, authentically coming from where his story is, he can tell. I think that story is a great example to us too. That when we think of the two or three times when Jesus has been really close to us, we can say, oh, I don't know necessarily about all theology and all hard questions and apologetics. But what I do know is that when I prayed and needed help, Jesus came. When I was sick and needed help, Jesus came and healed me, or whatever your story might be. When I needed guidance, I prayed, and God, in a remarkable way, came and brought it. I don't know all the answers, but I do know that I was like that, and now God has changed me. And so finally, when we come to this very last part of my message here, I want to encourage you to tell your story with faith and confidence. Faith and confidence. Research by the Barner Group in 2015 showed that um, the most if, uh, influential event that had happened in the life of people who became Christians, second only to have been brought up in a Christian home, was a conversation with a Christian that they knew. Now, of course, we can't affect whether people were brought up in a Christian home or not, but we have in our hands the capacity to have that conversation with someone about the Jesus that we know and that we love and that they are seeking after. The great news is that we don't have to do this on our own. If you were one of the people earlier who counted yourself in it, well, actually, I'm more terrified than thrilled at the idea of telling my Jesus story. Be encouraged that we don't have to do this on our own, that actually God himself has promised to be with us as we speak out our story. As we heard in our previous message series, and you can look it up on, on the web to find some more details, the Holy Spirit of God has promised never to leave us alone. And He will never leave us alone in that moment when we have an opportunity to testify to all that God has done in our lives. But it's more than that. You see, the power of story is not all about our eloquence or about how clever we are with our story or about how amazing our story is. But it's only when the embers and the spark, if you like, of our story is met by the power of the Holy Spirit that what would be embers and flame, uh, you know, little 
embers, for want of a better word, gets blown into a flame. I, I, the picture I had for this when I was praying it over, which you know, any of you seen the Bear Grylls um, kind of episodes where it, I mean, Bear Grylls never starts a fire easy, does he? He never reaches in his pocket, gets a lighter and puts it on or anything like that. He, he has to rub sticks and get all that kind of stuff. And you, you know the process, don't you? He rubs the sticks, creates heat. There's some embers. He drops those embers onto uh, like dried grass or something like that. Uh, there's lots of smoke, but there's no fire. What brings the fire? When he starts to blow on it, he blows on it gently and then increasingly more powerfully. And then those embers burst into flame. This is a picture of what God the Holy Spirit does in our lives when we say, Jesus, I'm in, I'm in trepidation about this or I'm thrilled about this. Wherever you are on that spectrum, would you please take the sparks of my story and come close to me and breathe into me so that my story comes alive in uh, when I'm telling people. In fact, the disciples, uh, when they first met Jesus after the resurrection, what the Bible tells us that he breathed on them. They were filled by the Holy Spirit and then they were sent to be ambassadors for him. That's the thing that Jesus longs to do in our lives. So if you're fearful, you're in trepidation, you think, I don't really want to do that. Why don't you pray? that God the Holy Spirit, right now, we're going to pray in a moment or two, both here and in Cafe Church, that God the Holy Spirit would come and breathe new life onto our story. That's the prayer that we're going to conclude with today. I wonder if there's time for God, if it is time for God to write a new chapter in our story. For those of us who are believers, we have, the new chapter is entitled, Boldness and Readiness to tell my story. And then you'll have opportunity to write down in days and weeks and months and years to come the names of those who have responded and asked you there. What a chapter that would be, wouldn't it? And maybe those of you who are not yet Christians, you're thinking, the whole of my, my story is literally my story. This Jesus is completely missing out of it. Today, it's time for that to change. And in just a moment or two, we're going to pray that, uh, we're going to worship together and pray that God the Holy Spirit would come and help us to write whatever chapter has to be rewritten, newly written in our lives. So first, let me just conclude this message with a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the countless ways that you've touched our lives. When we start to think of all the things that you've done in our lives, we are so, so grateful. Today, would you come in your power and your presence to encourage us and empower us to be ready and willing to tell our story every time we have opportunity. So Holy Spirit of God, come now. Breathe on us. Strengthen us. Help us and encourage us. I pray in your precious name. Amen.